Good morning, guys. I want to read you a, a scripture real quick. If you guys turn to Romans. This is kind of the premise of what I will be speaking about today. And it's Romans 5, 8. It's a very common scripture. A lot of you may know it by heart. But it says, here's how God has shown his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's a huge, uh, that's a huge scripture because it really shows how much God loves us beyond him just say, I love you. You know, we, we tell people we love them and we do things for them, but could we say that we could say, Hey, I love you enough that you can take my oldest son, my oldest daughter, and, and they're going to die for you because I love you that much. I can't say that. Somebody tries to, to take my daughter. I, you don't want to know what's going to happen. Um, but God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us before we were even born, before we even had the opportunity to sin, before we were, you know, dumb enough to steal a pack of gum at the, at the grocery store, before we were dumb enough to, oh, there's a pack of baseball cards at the grocery store. We were a little, you know, stupid and we thought we could get away with stupid things like that. He goes, I'm going to send them because I know what they're going to do and they're going to need my son. They're going to need the blood of my son to cover what they're going to do. How... How much thought does that take? We think ahead. We think, oh, I'm going to do this a year. Christ is thinking, or Jesus is, is looking, going, okay, when do I go? When do I go? God's like, I'm going to send you. Three weeks you're going to be born. Don't worry. <laughs> and you're going to die for Matt, who sins 2,000 years later. For Sarah, for anybody else who sins 1,000 years later, 2,000 years. I'm going to send you because I want you to be their covering. I want you to be their covering so I can have a relationship with them. I mean, it takes a lot of love, it takes a lot of um, grace and a lot of compassion to do that. It takes a lot of that. And I, none of us can say, oh yeah, I could do that. None of us could because the, the love that we have in our hearts is not the same that God has in his. We can't say in a, in our, in a human, real, human realm, I can take my son and, and sacrifice. Can't say that. But God thinks bigger than what we think. So, when he's thinking about us, he's thinking, how do I restore relationship between the people who have stepped away from me and walked away from what I've asked them to do and, and just loving me and they've gone into their own ways, their own rules, their own religion, and how do I bring them back into a relationship with me? And he's like, I've got to sacrifice my son. If we look at the Old Testament, we look at Genesis, he asked Abraham, he said, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to give you a son. And his wife's like 90 and he's 100. And, they, and she just laughed like, ha, huh, that's funny. I'm 90. I'm, you know, she's not a spring chicken anymore. And, and he's like, I'm going to give you a son. And she's just like, hmm, that's funny. But God gives them a son because what he promises is always true. And so he gives Abraham and Sarah a, a son. And then he goes and asks Abraham to do of all things, hey, take your son and go sacrifice him up on this hill. Abraham's like, huh? I'm sorry, was that you, God? Did you? No, that wasn't God. He didn't say, ask me to do that. But then he obeys. He takes his son and his son goes, hey, dad, where are we going? Oh, we're going to go get a sacrifice. Oh, where, where's, the, where's the, the ram or where's the, where's the sheep? Oh, God's going to provide that. And I don't know how Abraham is thinking through this situation. He's probably like, is he thinking, 
I have faith that God's going to provide this? Or is he just saying to his son, God's going to provide, not wanting to explain the full deeds. I mean, you're not going to explain to your kid that you're going to take him up on a mountain and sacrifice him to God by any means. Um, but he gets up there and he, he has enough love for the father that he lays his son out on that altar and gets ready to offer him because he knows that when he offers that son, that he's going to still, with the promise that he had, that he's going to be the father of many nations. God is going to restore or bring his son back to life no matter what it takes. He knows it's going to happen. So he knows that the moment he, if he drives that knife into his son to sacrifice him, that God is going to either, one, give him a new son and still make him the father of many nations, or he's going to bring his son back to life and say, you know what, you obeyed me. But he saw that Abraham had enough faith to raise that knife over his son and get ready to do it. He knew his heart and he knew that his heart was pure and he knew that he was going to do it because he knew that Abraham loved him. And I can't imagine that, that thought, the thoughts going through Abraham's head, but he takes that knife and he's ready to do it and, got, and an angel goes, stop. And I'm not going to get into all the details, but basically he says, God knows you and he knows your heart. In a roundabout way, he says that and he says, you know what? Stop. I will provide. And there's a ram in the thicket and God offers a sacrifice. So God offering his son and Abraham offering his son, that was a, that was a precursor. That was, a, that was a, a, a foreshadowing of what was to come of a father offering his son because he loved people so much. Abraham loved God so much and he knew his promises were true that he said, I'm going to do this no matter what. Because I know God is, is not a liar. God is not going to renege on his commitment to me. So he says, I'm going to do this. So the father says, you know what? I'm going to send my son, but I don't know what they're going to do. He doesn't, he doesn't know, well, excuse me, he knows, but we don't know what, how we're going to relate. And, and so he goes, you know what? I'm going to take a chance with my love for these people, and I'm going to send them a savior, someone who will wash away their sin, bring them into right standing with me. And he says, you know what? I'm taking a chance on this. I'm taking a chance that I love them so much because I can't force them to love me. I can't force them to accept my son, but I'm going to have compassion on them and mercy on them. And I'm going to send my son so they can receive him. They can accept him and and they can have a relationship with me. How much compassion does that take? On somebody who has sinned against you, he knows every sin that we've committed, every sin that we will commit. And he saw our sin, but still said, you know what? I still love you. I don't think us as humans can, can say that. You know, people who, who sin against us or, or do things against us, we can say, well, you know, I'm just going to give you my child and you sacrifice them and I'm going to give you my child as a gift because I, I, I love you that much. And, it, and I was reading this and starting to think about this. And, and what... As people who love God, we become passionate about loving God. We become passionate about doing his work and, and seeing the kingdom advance. And, but we want compassion for people. What, what do you, what, when you hear the word compassion, what comes to mind? What comes to mind when you hear about compassion? You know, there's always Compassion International, that, that organization. You, you think of 
the TV commercials for the, the starving kids in Africa and all the, the and my daughter, the, the um, animal response thing where it shows the, the dogs that are crying and they play a really sad song and my daughter's like, we need, to, we need to go rescue them all, Dad. I'm like, no, we don't. We don't need to rescue them. That's what we think of. And that, you know, we think of certain things. We think of people who have lost um, houses. We, we see people on the news, you know, the, the floods in Louisiana, different areas like that, that people have lost things. And, and, and our hearts go out to those people. Compassion in our hearts says, man, we take, we take stock of what we have and say, how great that this hasn't happened to me, but my heart goes out to these people who are starving, who are lost their house, who have lost loved ones. And that, that compassion rises up in us. we see things and our heart hurts for them and we have compassion on them and we have compassion for them because we want things to be right for them. That's the heart of the Father. When, when we see someone hurting and we want to fix that or we want to help that, that is the heart of the Father in us to have compassion on people. We were designed to have compassion. We were created in God's image. He said, let's make man in our, our image. And he, if he had compassion on us to send his son, we have compassion built into us to have compassion on other people. Exodus thirty three nineteen says this. It says, The Lord said, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will show mercy and have compassion on whom I, show, I will have compassion. And so I started thinking about this, and, and we love God as, as people who love God. I think sometimes we get too passionate and less compassionate. And what happens is this, we're so busy trying to do the work of the, uh, of, the, of the Father, we forget to have compassion on the people that we're trying to bring into the kingdom. The people that we want the, to, to hear the gospel, we tend to lose compassion on them because we're so busy in, in our passion to further the kingdom that we lose, we lose sight of who we're doing it for. And we lose sight of who needs it. So we're like, oh, people just need to be saved. But we get so wrapped up in the details of it. We get so wrapped up in, in the, the doing of the, of the witnessing to people. And we, and we tend to lose compassion for people. We want them to be saved, but we don't have the compassion for them. It, it's almost a process that we, we, we send them into. And okay, I need to get through this. And I need to tell them the Romans road. And I need to read them this six scriptures. And I need to explain it to them. But we don't have time to sit and listen to them for two minutes and explain why they're hurting and why they haven't received Jesus. We get so passionate about, man, I'm going to go knock every door and I'm going to tell them that Jesus loves them and that God is good and he wants good for them. And we get into this salesman's spiel. Hi, my name is Matt and God is good and he loves you and he wants the best for you. I'm just see you later. And God says, no, stop. Stop. Have compassion on these people and listen to them. Have compassion on these people and talk with them more than your, your, your spiel. You're like, did you know that God is good and he loves you? And we get into our, our three by five card version of Christianity and God says, have compassion on them so they can see who I am, not just hear about who I am. Passionate is great. We need passionate people who love God and want to further the kingdom, but without compassion, it means nothing. I can explain to somebody who is a, is a sinner, I can go to a prison and explain to somebody what, who God is, but if I don't have compassion on them, what does it do? 
Paul said, if I don't have love, what am I? I'm worthless. Gong, gong, you know, you go to those Chinese restaurants and they have it and you just want to whack it again. That's what you sound like. So God says, be passionate about me because I'm passionate about you. But don't lose compassion for the people that I'm passionate about. Exodus 34, 6 says, He passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Christians, when we witness to people, evangelize people, we cannot lose sight of who God is when we talk to people. God is a compassionate God who loves us. And I think in my own life, I've watched myself say, you know what? I've got to further the kingdom. I've got to do the work of the kingdom. But sometimes I lose sight of compa- the compassionate part of, of, of working with people and saying, I, I love these people. And we get, sometimes as Christians, we get into that mindset of when the, the people said, well, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing the work. Uh, Jesus said, they asked Jesus, what are you doing? I'm, I'm about my father's business. And it's good to be about the father's business. But if it's business all the time, we lose sight of the commodity of heaven. The commodity of heaven is people coming into the feast. You know, you look at the parables and Jesus said, it's like a banquet feast and he's going out and he's saying, I need you to find people. What What is stock in heaven is people. Jesus is like, I'm building my stock portfolio up and I need this person, I need this person, I need to add this person into it because I want to show my father that what you did by sending me is not in vain. So that way, when we come to people and say, you know what, God loves you, we don't go through the five-minute, five uh, three-by-five card spiel and go, okay, this is why he loves you. We just explain to them that, that Jesus loves you. And, and it has to be, there has to be compassion in the gospel because without compassion in the gospel, it's not the gospel. Because Jesus had a passion for people. Jesus didn't sit on his little uh, box in one spot in, in Israel and say, come to me. He went out to look for people. As Christians, we're called to be passionate about compassion, not just I'm passionate about God and this is who it is. And if you don't like this, jog on. We look at our lives and while we were sinners, God sent his son for us. How do we look at the Old Testament? I think they had a better understanding of the grace of God and mercy of God than than New Testament believers did in in some aspects. If you look at Moses and you look at David, I'm going to read you this from Psalms 51. This is David after he had had an affair with Bathsheba, and he cries out to God and says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Compassion isn't just, God loves you, I love you. Compassion is, is, I see your sin and it doesn't affect me. 
True compassion for, for the lost, true compassion for other believers is, you know what, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, I still love you because Christ loves me. If I don't love you, how is Christ supposed to love me? If I don't forgive you, how is he supposed to forgive me? So I'm going to read you a little bit about Jesus here. This is, I, I, did, I was looking through some scripture and this is really cool because Jesus didn't just have compassion on people who were sick, blind, and, you know, d- had disease. Matthew 14, 4, excuse me, Matthew 14, 14 says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed the sick. So he had compassion on those who were sick. Next one says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them because they had no leader who loved them. He had no, they had no rabbi who loved them. Think about when he walked through and was picking his disciples. Every one of his disciples, what did they call them? Ordinary, uneducated men. In, in Acts it says, who are these men? These are just ordinary, uneducated men. But they're speaking the word of God with power. So Jesus didn't go look for, he didn't go to the, the temples and say, I want your, your 10 brightest students or your 12 brightest students. Give them to me. I need them to affirm my gospel. Uh, he went and found people and had compassion on people who were rejected. Uh, a, a young boy, when he was, the main goal of the family was to get them in the temple. So they could be a priest. That was an honor to be a priest. So if a boy didn't meet, they would have three stages. So if he didn't meet after that first stage, if he couldn't cut it, he went into his father's business. What was Jesus? He was a carpenter. What was his father? He was a carpenter. So when they asked Jesus, where were you? What were you doing? Why were you in this temple? He says, I was about my father's business. He's saying, I'm a priest. I'm a rabbi. I'm a leader. So when he was out walking through and said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, he had compassion on them because he knew there was something greater in them than just having book learning. Jesus had compassion on them because he saw something in them that was greater than just head knowledge. What did he say to Peter? He goes, I'm going to build you're the rock. I'm going to build this upon you because you are greater than what people see. So Jesus says, I'm going to go look for people. I'm going to have compassion on people. And he saw those 12 and he said, follow me and I'll make you something greater than you are right now. How many guys named Peter were in that area when Jesus went up to Simon Peter and said, hey, come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And he said, there's probably five other Peters in the area, but this was the one he chose because he saw something in him and had compassion on him and said, this man has something in him and he loves God. And he said, follow me and I'll do, we'll do something great. Matthew 15, 32 says, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away or they may collapse. So Jesus didn't just have compassion on their souls. He had compassion for their physical body. He said, you know what? We need to get these people something to eat. I'm like, yeah. Let's get something to eat. 
My stomach's already grumbling a little bit. I'm getting hungry. But Jesus is like, let's get them something to eat so they don't collapse because they've been with me for three days and who knows what they've eaten. So it's not just, oh, well, I have compassion that they, they accept me as Savior and get to heaven. He's like, no, I have compassion on them because they need something physical. They need food. We all need food. We can all fast for a while. But we need food after a while. And Jesus said, he's looking at them saying, they're getting hungry. He's telling his disciples, they're getting hungry. We need to do something for them. Blind Bartimaeus, he's sitting in, the, in along the road in Jericho. Jesus is passing through and he hears Jesus is passing through and he cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have compassion for me. I'm blind, I can't see. He needs something from Jesus and Jesus says, somebody called out my name. And he stops and says, what do you want? What do you want from me? And he goes, I want my sight. He could have asked for anything. He said, I I want a million dollars. He could have asked for anything, but he goes, I want my sight because he knew with his sight he would become a valuable part of society. And Jesus is like, you want your sight. And he says, your faith has made you well. Jesus had compassion on a blind man along the road because that blind man knew who he was. He didn't just call him, oh, Jesus, rabbi. He said, Jesus, son of David. He's calling out his lineage and says, you're the son of David who was promised 400 years ago. He's saying, have mercy on me. And Jesus' heart who has compassion says, I'm going to heal you because I love you and I want you not to just be healed but be able to go back into society and become better. His only job was begging. People brought him out, set him alongside the road, said, okay, here's your tin cup, shake it a little bit and, and ask for alms. And he's like, no, I want, I want to make your life better. I want you to now be healed, have full sight so you can go and take care of what you need to do. Jesus said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them. And I don't know what that was like. I can't, I can't picture what Jesus was, in my head, grasp what Jesus was seeing. But he had, when he landed, he said, he saw them and they all came to him. And he goes, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They've been abused, been harassed. They've been forced to pay for repentance and forgiveness. I just can't imagine him coming into that, that crowd and they're like, what do I have to give you to be, to be healed? What do I have to give you to be set free? What do I have to give you to be healed? And Jesus is probably looking at him going, you don't have to give me anything. All you have to do is have faith. Even if you don't have faith, I'll have faith for you so you can be healed. I don't believe that everybody that Jesus healed had faith to be healed. I believe he did some of it because of their faith. But I also believe that Jesus touched random people and just said, you need to be healed. They may have not known who he was, but he just said, you know what, I'm going to heal you because, you know what, I have compassion on you. I love you. You know, we, we look at 
our model is Jesus. We, we strive to, to follow Jesus and to be like Jesus. And it says God is slow to anger and he's slow to wrath and he's full of love and compassion. You know, Jesus is our high priest and we, we, we look at Jesus and say, you know what, I want to be like Jesus. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And if God is slow to anger and slow to, compa- and slow to wrath and, is, and has compassion for sinners, Jesus had the same thing. He goes, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen my characteristics, you've seen the Father's characteristics. So when Jesus says, I'm leaving you, but I'm going to send someone for you to help guide you and to lead you, he sends us the Holy Spirit. So how much more should we be able to have compassion and love for people when Jesus isn't standing next to us, but he is living inside of us? With the Holy Spirit living in us, guiding us, we should have more compassion for people than the disciples did who were walking with Jesus. They did greater things after he left than before he left. Before they, he left, they're like, let's call down fire and just burn this town alive. It's just fry them. They went from let's fry them to let's go find Samaritans and witness to them and tell them about Jesus and tell them that he loves them. Sixteen times in Psalms, David talks about compassion, the God's compassion and his love for us. We see in the Old Testament God's compassion for people, his mercy for people. And it's funny because we look at most of the time when it talks about his compassion for people, it's when they were being as stupid as they possibly could. A lot of it talks about when the children of Israel are wandering through the wilderness for 40 years. And they they understand God's compassion and they understand his love for them. But Jesus shows up and is passionate about the kingdom of God coming to earth. He was passionate about it, but he never lost his compassion for people because he knew what the commodity was that needed to, to fill the kingdom. To make the kingdom greater, he knew what it was. To advance the kingdom, to make the kingdom grow, he knew what it was. It was people. He was passionate about it, but he never lost compassion or lost sight of why he was doing it. He knew it was for his father, but he knew what he had to do, and that was reach people. You know, we look at John the Baptist, and he's like, repent now. The kingdom of God is at hand. Everybody's like, I don't see it. Which hand are you talking about? Jesus is out talking about things, ideas, truths that they had never heard. People are coming up to him who don't know who he is, and they're calling him master, they're calling him rabbi, they're calling him Lord, because they saw the heart of the Father in him because he had compassion for people when he was talking. It says in the Bible that Jesus wasn't really a whole lot to look at. He was pretty ordinary, pretty plain. And, but when he spoke, he spoke with power 
and authority. He was in the temple as a child and he's speaking to priests and he's talking to them and he's speaking to the Pharisees and he's talking to them and they're blown away by him because he was passionate about his father's work. He was passionate about his father. And then when he started his ministry, he became, it, it, it showed his compassion towards people. He wasn't so obsessed with, with just the work that he lost sight of the people. He could have went and preached and just waved his hand over people and just walked by people and healed them, but he didn't. He made it personal. He could have just went by the, the row and just duck, 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 goosed everybody and, and healed everybody, but he didn't. He walked up to people and said, who are you? What's your name? What do you need from me? Zacchaeus, little guy, why are you up there? What are you doing? He's like, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go to your house. I'm going to tell you the things that you've done wrong, but I'm going to tell you and show you compassion and show you why I love you. He had compassion on people who were sick, blind, deaf, dumb, hungry, and he had compassion on people who were dead. He said, you know what? I'm going to go. My friend Lazarus is dead. I'm going to have compassion on him and his family, and I'm going to raise him from the dead. That's why he said, Lazarus, come forth. He was calling his friend because that was close to Jesus' heart. It wasn't just somebody that, oh, my, my friend died and, and I need you to come do this. It doesn't, we don't have accounts of, of Jesus raising just random people in, in the Bible except for a few times, but there was probably people that we don't hear about him raising from the dead. There's, there's the, um, uh, the young girl that he raises from the dead. There's a servant who is, is dying and, and we hear about those, but how many more people did he raise from the dead that aren't in every account that we read? You know, we have a, a few chapters from each gospel to understand what Jesus did, but there was probably more people that weren't written down that Jesus healed or Jesus raised from the dead. But he calls Lazarus, Lazarus because he's a friend and he says, come forth because I see what's going on. It's not, he's like, it's not your time. I have the power to. I'm going to raise you from the dead because I don't want you to go now. It's not your time. And he had compassion on them. So why do we as Christians become passionate about God and lose compassion for people? Oh, I love God and I want to see his kingdom grow and I, and I do this, but uh, people, uh, can't deal with them. What the heck? Come on. I mean, the whole, the Father's business is people. The Father's business is going out and telling people that Jesus loves them and God wants good for them. But we're like, oh yeah, I serve in this and I do this and I, and I, and I tithe this, but uh, I just don't want to talk to people. I've got this guy I work with, he's in sales, and he goes, I just don't like people. I'm like, you're in the wrong business. If you want to make money, you've got to like people. Even if you don't like them, pretend you like them. But if you don't like people, you're in the wrong business for sales. I just don't like to talk to people. Well, then if you don't like talking to people, don't be in sales. If you don't like to be in the business of the Father, don't get into this business if you don't like to talk to people. If you don't like the Father, or if you like the Father, you've got to talk to people. 
because his business is people. His business is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, you know how it's built? One person at a time. Two, three, four, five, six. That's how it's built. The kingdom of God advances by person after person coming into the kingdom. So if you love God and you can't deal with people, have a conversation this afternoon with them. What you need to do is you need to go home. You need to pull your desk away from the wall. Put a chair on one side. Put a chair on the other side. You need to sit on the opposite side and talk to God like he's sitting in the boss's chair and say, why, don't I do, why am I not doing this? I love you and I love your kingdom, but why am I not compassionate about people? We have so much compassion for the king and the savior and the kingdom but we get focused on doing the things of, of the church, our churchianity, churchies, whatever you want to call it. And um, we, we forget what the, the, the mission of, of Jesus and the kingdom was for. Was to restore man's heart to God. To restore that relationship so they could have a conversation. So they could live together. I feel like we can lose sight of what church is for, the kingdom is for, when we lose sight of what value people have. If God didn't find value in us as sinners, he wouldn't have sent his son. But how much value did he find in us as sinners that he did send his son? The value of one person is so immense that he would have sent his son for one. If it was just Adam and Eve for the rest of the, the, the time on earth, he would have sent his son for those two. He sent his son for, his, for Mary, his own mother. Jesus died for his own mother and his own stepfather and his own brothers. We get focused on the end goal of we're going to all go to heaven instead of what is the mission on earth is to grab people and say we're all going to heaven together. We, we get, well, I've got I've to go to church and I've got to set up and I've got to run nursery and I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to teach and I've got to do this. But it's like, you know, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Plain and simple, it's about people. I had the, the opportunity and I was um, at work this week and some guy stopped in and um, I don't even know how old he was, maybe 50. And he said, you know, he goes, hey, do you guys have any um, aluminum or steel scrap? And I said, um, yeah, I, th- I think we might. He, and he goes, oh, let me, let me explain. He had like some lung stuff and some CLPD or I don't remember what it is and, and different things on his lungs. And I said to him, I said, um, he goes, yeah, my, my pastor gave, uh, filled up my truck with gas and said, go just go to these different places and see if there's scrap. And, he, and I said, okay. I, I, said, I said, there's some older air conditioners that we've pulled off RVs in the back. I said, you can have them. He said, where's it at? I said, he said, and... Um, and I, and I said, what's your name? And I, if I remember correctly, it was Dale. And I said, can I pray with you? So I walked in my office and, and I just said, you know, I'm going to pray with you. And I just started speaking over him and praying over him that his lungs would be healed. He's like, well, when I cough, I cough blood and, I'm, and I can't breathe. And, and I said, you know what, we're, we're just, let's just pray. I didn't expect that guy to come in. 
I wasn't like, well, Dale's going to come in. I'm going to have compassion on him today. No, he came in and I had an opportunity to have compassion on him. I had an opportunity to share with him a kingdom principle of healing and say, God wants you healed. He wants you to breathe fine. He wants your lungs to be correct. And whether he got healed or not, I don't know because I probably will never see him again. But the fact is, God gave me an opportunity to have compassion on a man who needed compassion and who needed someone to pray with him so that he would be healed. Not like, oh, well, God, you know, if you just heal him, you know. If you... No, I commanded what was in him to leave because I had compassion on him. Same way Jesus commanded things from other people to leave. Jesus was passionate about people, and we should be too. We need to be passionate about people, not just like, oh, your soul's going to hell and I need to save it. Well, I, I got I to gotta drag you to Jesus because you need something. No, we need to be passionate about people because their needs, their likes, their hobbies, we need to be compa- have compassion on people and be passionate about them to understand who they are. How many people you know, you're just going to walk up to and go, oh yeah, by the way, Jesus is Lord, you're Lord, your life, blah, 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 and they just come to Christ. No, it takes time. It takes time working with them and, and being in the same neighborhood as them and going to, to community things together and you can finally say, hey, you know, Jesus really loves you. Yeah, I see what you're going through right now and God just wants to take care of that. You know, hobbies, whatever it is, you know, you're out going somewhere, biking, I don't know what it is, but God gives you the opportunity to say, you know what, man, I've just been hanging out with you for a while and I see that God really loves you. And I see that He really wants to help you through the situations that you're dealing with right now and I'd just like to introduce Him to you. You know, why does it take a, a, a sad dog commercial or starving kids in Africa to r- have compassion rise up in us? It shouldn't. We're created in His image. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Compassion should be rising up in us every day. You know, when we drive through this town, we should say, man, you know what? This needs to change. I'm going to introduce Jesus into this area of this town. I'm going to introduce the Holy Spirit into this area of this town. You guys ever, I have a long drive to work. It's about 50 minutes, so I just drive and I'm, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, where did I get here? You know, I'm just so focused on it. I'm like, oh, I'm already to this point. You know, I remember when Sarah and I first started dating, I would drive from Hart to Howard City and there would be times on 82 and 20, I'd be like, <gasps> like oh my gosh, where did I get here? Like, I, I don't remember turning on 82 by the West Co here. And the next thing I remember is driving out of Nuego on 82. And I'm like, I just kind of, like, I was like, oh my gosh. But Sarah said it's right, autopilot. We got on kingdom autopilot. I got to go to church. I got I to gotta witness to people when they come to church and pray with them and say, I'll pray with them, but never pray with them. And I'm going to, I'm going to say, oh, you got to come to church with me, but I'm not going to do anything else. Jesus is like, go find someone. Go find people and have compassion on them. Walk around the mall and have compassion on them. Jesus, my wife loves the mall. My wife, my wife does more, um, how do I explain it? Um, 
presence evangelism. There we go. Thank you. Presence evangelism while she's at the water park or Michigan Adventure than she does almost anywhere else. She'll be standing in line and be like, oh, you know what? Let's just pray with you right here. That's compassion for people. Yeah, Sarah's like, I can't wait for Disney. Oh, yeah. I don't think we're going to be able to write anything. Sarah's just going to be like, you want me to pray with you? I'll pray with you. I'll pray with you. Oh, you need healing? <laughs> but my kids are so used to it. They go everywhere and they're like, oh, mom's in the store. She's just praying with somebody again. She's in line at, at a ride at Michigan Adventure. She's praying with somebody again. Or she's just, you know, she's got the hand up or, you know, or what. I, my wife will find any place she can to have compassion and show the love of Christ to people. Even if she's not looking for it, people will be like, who are you? You know Jesus? And she, they'll walk up to her and find her. Probably because she's just being silly and laughing all the time. And they're like, what is that lady? She has joy. I mean, I've got my daughter's friends calling and saying, I had a weird dream. What, what do you think this means? And they're talking to my daughter because they know she has compassion and loves them because she wants, they want to understand. And my, my daughter's like, well, I don't know. Let's talk to my mom. And they'll get on the, on the phone, speakerphone, and they're sitting there and, and, and they're having compassion on people because they're not sure what that dream means and they're scared by that dream or they don't understand what that dream means. So my daughter has compassion. She's like, well, I don't know exactly, so I'm going to take you to my mom. If we have compassion for people, it should be like, you know what, I don't exactly know but let's talk to God and let's find out. Sorry, we're going long here. I'll close. If you have compassion for people, you will lead them to someone who knows Jesus or you will lead them to Jesus yourself. You may not know. You say, you know what, I don't know. Let's talk to a leader. I don't know. Let's talk to one of, uh, somebody that may know more about it. But compassion says, I'm going to reach out to you. I'm going to find you. I'm going to walk the streets and I'm going to find you. And I'm going to tell you that Jesus loves you. And I'm going to show you that Jesus loves you. Without acts of compassion, the gospel is empty. It's just talk. And if we don't have acts of compassion then Jesus doesn't mean anything to people. He's just a guy that they've heard about and he, they have a picture of him still on the cross and, and it's like, no, we need to show, have compassion and show people Jesus off of the cross. The Jesus that died, was buried, went to hell, came back and now gave us all authority and power and say, you know what? I'm going to give you the keys to everything and you go out and show them who I am. Live the life that I lived and show them compassion and go around and say, you know what? I'm going to pray for you for healing. I'm going to pray with you that your family is, gets better. Show them compassion in who he is. Let's pray.